Welcome to Points of Departure, a podcast from the Arkansas Global Changemakers in coordination with KUAF Public Radio, where we aim to place pressing social issues into global context and bring communities together to find local solutions to global challenges. My name is Lawrence Hare. I'm Associate Professor of History in the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. And my name is Rogelio Garcia Contreras. I am a teaching assistant faculty at the Strategy, Entrepreneurship, and Venture Innovation Department of the Walton College of Business. And I'm Lee Wood, General Manager of KUAF Public Radio. And we're your hosts for Points of Departure. Hola, producer Daniel Carruth here again. You know, what gives a city its character? Take Barcelona, for example. From its geography wedged between the mountains and the sea, its rich Catalan language and history, perhaps it's the peculiar and breathtaking architecture for masters like Gaudí, the music, the art, In today's episode, we're in Barcelona, and we'll talk with some people addressing big problems like migration, employment discrimination, and social inclusion about how place can transform the way we tackle some of society's toughest issues. That's all coming up next during Points of Departure. Hey, hello everybody, welcome. We're gonna try something new on Points of Departure, and that is instead of being in our regular studio in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we're here in Barcelona, Spain, doing our show in the field, on the ground, (laughs) meeting the companies where they are, meeting the innovators where they are. Rogelio, hello. Hello, Lawrence. It's good to see you uh, here in Barcelona. It's, uh, you know, sharing with friends and, and Yes, we all made our way here recently, and, and we have the good fortune of working with partners at Universitat Badoliba CEU, which is a, a wonderful university in Barcelona, and our one of our principal contacts there is uh, Professor Abraham Traubert Bram, yes, as we, as we call him and know him. Bram, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lawrence, and welcome here in Barcelona. Uh, bienvenido, I would say, in, in Spanish. It's so nice to see you back. Lawrence for the first time actually so I'm so happy that you're here thank you you have been a wonderful host already we've only been here like 24 hours I think and you've already taken us out into the countryside of Catalonia and we've uh, visited some social farms and we've had some good meals already and of course Rogelio we we've had a really great working relationship with Bram yes I think it's uh thanks to the connection that Dr. Carmen Parra has uh built for us and Brand has been a good contact ever since uh, we met him, and uh, great uh, contact for our study abroad program coming up. As well. Brand, would you quickly tell us your title here at about Oliva? Yes. Okay. So apart from being a professor of marketing and communication, associate professor, I'm also director of a master, master on sustainable entrepreneurship, especially focusing on the sector which is food and beverage. Okay. So this uh, I do since three years. 
and uh, I'm very happy actually uh, leading this together with Italy. It's another university, School of Management from Turin, and uh, together we we lead this program for international students. And uh, actually, since uh, two years, we're also uh, having this contact with you within this program, and that's fantastic for the students. So there's also a relationship with the United States now. Thank you again for for this relationship that we are building and uh, building each uh, each year stronger, I would say. Yeah, exactly. We were in the grip of COVID last year. I'm not, I'm not sure we're not still in the grip of COVID at some <laughs> level, but we were really in the grip of COVID last Absolutely. year. And we had a really good opportunity to run uh, what's called a COIL class. And COIL stands for Collaborative Online International Learning. Yeah, it was an excellent experience for everybody, including uh, ourselves, I think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and our students interacted with uh, Bram students here at, at uh, Abad Oliva. And then we had our virtual study abroad in Barcelona, which, as we've said before, was not the same as the authentic thing, but it was it was really successful. I was really surprised, and, and Bram and Carmen were really instrumental in helping that move forward. And then another way that Bram has helped us has been helping us network here in Barcelona, introducing us to some of the most important innovators and entrepreneurs in this community, which is, by the way, as we've said before, a social business city. And that's why Barcelona has been so important to us. Uh, we'll probably talk about that. And so we have one of those entrepreneurs and innovators here with us today, Patricia Polvera, who started a company uh, known as Teterum, which Correct. is a tea company. Patricia, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I would like to say in Catalan, bevinguts, um, because we're in Catalonia now, so it's also nice to recognize that fantastic language they have here. Um, yes, I'm a, I think I am a social entrepreneur. I actually haven't thought about myself like that until you said it now, <laughs> but it's true. I'm an entrepreneur, but I think that in my DNA, I have this social thinking. So we're going to talk about maybe one or maybe two companies today. And I really like to share this because I know that I learn so much when I talk to you. So Let's keep the conversation. I, I, I know we wanted you in in, in, in the show and as part of uh, the podcast because when <laughs> when you were you you kindly accepted uh, Bram's invitation when we were teaching that class that Lawrence was yes, referring to and it was such a success and <laughs> and uh, very inspirational. So I'm sure it's going to be a much. great conversation. Yeah, I remember it was sure. a year ago, but that conversation stands out in my mind. It was, the students oh, really enjoyed wow. it. And <laughs> I, I seem to recall, so it's been a year, but I seem yeah. to recall that your background is a little different in that you yeah, you have roots here in Barcelona, but also, if, am mm -hmm. I right, in Sweden? Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little you bit about your that? background? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm one of those strange creatures. I was born in uh, Argentina. But my parents are from Uruguay, so I have always said that I'm an immigrant and I'm going to be an immigrant for life, which is something that I really have appreciated for everything I've learned from that. Uh, because we immigrated as, um, as political refugees to Sweden. That's where Sweden pops in. So it's not like we chose that country. <laughs> we ended up there. Uh, in those days, 70s, uh, Sweden accepted many immigrants that came from Latin America. Mm -hmm. And my parents were... Two of them, I was only seven months old. So I grew up in Sweden with a Swedish culture from door outside and then door indoor where it was the Spanish Latino culture. So I had this double identity. And then from there, I have been living in different parts of the world, but I ended up 16 years ago now in Barcelona. 
because for me it's in between Sweden and Uruguay, so it's it's the mix, it's the perfect mix <laughs> of everything. <laughs> so that's that's what you remember probably from. Yeah, yeah. So when you say it's the mix, you, you, it's, it's the a mix. cosmopolitan yeah. flavor to the city. Yeah, there is something crazy about the city. At the same time, it's working, which is like da 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 da. How do they do it? <laughs> but it's uh, that's how it works in our countries. Uh, where I come from, Uruguay, and, and because of the history and, and because of the culture, there's another way of moving around in life. And in Sweden, there that's like the opposite. That is, uh, it's um, they have a thinking that's totally different from uh, the culture I was used to from my parents. So here in Spain, I, I or in Barcelona especially, I feel this mix that I just love, and it's perfect for entrepreneurship. We were we were riding in the car with Bram, and Bram said something very similar. You know, he's huh. he's from the Netherlands, and he had lived in uh, France for a while, lived lived in the UK for a while, maybe, yes. and then said, and he said it very matter of factly. I made my mind up; I was going to live in Spain and mm-hmm. uh, in, in <laughs> Barcelona. Is that the same for you? Is that what the the draw was? I think so, and I'm I'm also like like you just said, maybe now seeing it after speaking about it, uh, that it's logical uh, the choice of living here. Uh, sometimes you do things in life and you don't know why, but later on you can explain it easily because maybe it has some parts of interests within you that you see back and th- where you mm. feel comfortable in. And yes, I, I, I clearly come from the Netherlands and I, I love this country, but at the same time, I've always felt this attraction to more southern types of countries. And uh, the first time I was here, actually, I, I felt this was uh, this was the place I wanted to live. After that, I've lived in France and in Belgium. And I was all, almost back into to the Netherlands when I came back into into Barcelona yeah. with my family. But uh, but yes, I'm also very happy here, and mm. I think it's uh, it's a unique place to live. We have the mountain next door. We've got the sea next door, mm. uh, and it's very international in that sense. Mm. You can always come back to any culture that you want, uh, because we have this uh, this opportunity here. It's very peculiar because uh, my feeling here is that it's more accepted to be different. It's more accepted mm. to. Maybe it's very much in the architecture. I mean, the, these crazy buildings is is not like standard. <laughs> and somewhere somebody said, "Yeah, go ahead, try it, and see what happens." And it's a little bit with entrepreneurship. What I feel here, there's there are many ways of seeing life, many people, many different ways of living. And entrepreneurship, there are many ways of building up companies. One of them is the way that I have done it, and and it's okay. You know, and it's even okay to fail, try, and start again. While in the some of the countries where I have been working and so on, it's uh, maybe that was not so flexible. So that's what I feel here that because of this mix of cultures and because of the history of this country, there is a flexibility in to accept who you are. I, I am intrigued by what you just said, and you know the. the, the personal story mm. of you know as an immigrant and mm. you mentioned that your parents are from yeah. Uruguay already immigrants in Argentina yeah I assume you had to leave Argentina due exactly. to the military exactly. dictatorship and all that how going from that experience into Sweden such a progressive mm-hmm. country <laughs> shape your life for for you to decide that you want to live in the kind of city that you live now yeah. uh, fostering this entrepreneurial spirit exactly it's very much marked I will say that the Terum is a reflection of my life I have always learned by my family to feel gratitude. I have, we loved Sweden for what Sweden did for us. They they saved us. We were 20 minutes from dying, the whole family. So we um, we always knew that 
Uh, we were grateful for what Sweden gave us and the way they gave us the opportunity to restart our lives. That's something my parents have always like marked in me. So uh, social entrepreneurship is very much about gratefulness. It's about being grateful to what society gives you as a company and you give back to society. We are a company, so it's not like an NGO, but uh, to think about, hey, if I get this, why? what are the parameters that made it possible? And what can I give back to those people, organization, or whatever it is? Uh, also resilience. Resilience is so important where you're an immigrant, and it doesn't matter where you come from and where you go, what type of immigrant you are. I think that you learn to be resilient. You learn to cry because you're not from the place where you are at the moment and you don't feel like them uh, at the same yes. times so you feel that you are giving something to these people so they learn from you and you learn from them uh, and you know that this feeling will change in time and at some point i will or not feel more comfortable with my so i would say it's not like barcelona is a fantastic city but it wasn't easy and i think it wasn't easy for you i spent many years thinking is this my place you know is this the place to be but the resilience from being an immigrant teach you that time will show that. I always say that it takes five years to understand if, you <laughs> if you're in the right place. <laughs> um, because it takes time to, to like n understand who you are. So that is something very important from immigration. And also believing in yourself. When you're an immigrant, in that situation, you learn about yourself. You learn to understand who you are, who you want to be, and who you don't want to be. I can perfectly be very Swedish and people from Sweden will not see that I'm not from there. But is that me? That is that is the question that you ask yourself when you're immigrant. No, because me is a mix of everything. So I'm not that, I'm not Uruguayan, I'm just a mix. And that is okay. And here it's okay to be that. I, that's fascinating to me. Uh, I, I don't know if you feel the same, Bram, but, but it, uh, as an immigrant myself, mm. right? Uh, that's fascinating to me, the ability to recognize that some of the frameworks that we grow up with, that we live in, mm -hmm. some of the, the, the concepts and the structures that surround our lives don't necessarily match our experience or the reality of who we are, yeah. right? Exactly. And, and, and being able to recognize that, that mm -hmm. and, and go beyond, and even go beyond of the expectations and the stereotypes that others yeah. have on you and mm -hmm. the, the place you come from and how you look and mm -hmm. everything is, is really interesting. So yeah. thank you for, for sharing mm -hmm. that because I think it definitely shapes what we do at the end of the yes, day. I don't know totally. if you feel the same, right? Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I totally agree. I also think that it helps that when you're in another place, you're not living in the place that you were born, maybe. Mm -hmm. You're directly out of the box yeah. in a sense that mm -hmm. you're not where your roots are mm -hmm. and that makes you also that gives also some freedom in a way maybe to to think more freely and to also maybe mm. think about who you are etc because you can take some distance from let's say uh, origins or mm -hmm. comfortability of the zones where you were when you were in the first 10 15 mm. 20 years so that maybe also helps in uh, in growing as a person and uh, getting more close to who you are yeah. I also yeah. tell it to students. I always give them the recommendation of traveling mm -hmm. and uh, mm. trying to get abroad, yeah. maybe three months, maybe six mm. months. It always helps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think that's at the core of Arkansas Global Changemakers Absolutely. and what we're trying to do. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm hearing from, from both of you some key, key characteristics, resilience, mm -hmm. compassion, mm -hmm. tolerance. And in, yeah. in Patricia, in your case, these have been conveyed into your companies and maybe, yeah. maybe we should talk about them a yeah. little bit uh, so let's start let's with Teterum. yeah that's your tea company can you can you tell uh -huh. us a little bit about 
what Teterum is and and how it sort of embodies the the yeah. ethos that you want in your business. Let's do that because Teterum, I think, is is the first time when I step out from comfort zone. I was working in a multi international company called Ericsson. It was like you know the perfect place mm -hmm. to be, uh, good salary, good place, travel a lot, young, uh, flexibility, etc., etc., etc. So uh, you can stay there forever, and it's nice but boring and Tetherum was growing from this need of giving back again to society and supporting people that haven't had the opportunity that I have had in life. The people that we bring in to Tetherum are people with um, autism and Down syndrome. Uh, they are not very often invited into the labor market. It's not like with open arms. Uh, they are invited because it's complicated. Uh, they have um, certain hinders that needs to be adapted to, and that's not always easy for the company. So with the term, I found a way where I could lean on um, the compassion, for example, for uh, for the workers that work with uh, this community, for them, uh, also for the companies that said, no, no way, I can't work with people with autism. Well, you never tried. So I feel compassion because uh, I don't expect you to understand it if you don't step out from your comfort zone. Um, uh, and with the, with the resilience, I started a company that was social. In those days, social didn't exist. I was just a crazy lady trying to get uh, girls and guys with autism to do tea. When, when tea is was this all exactly? Over. This is 2013, so 12, 13. Okay. So we were in the corporate social responsibility area. It uh -huh. was when the company started to build up these departments, they got the extra benefit from the company, like do something with this, do something nice. And that was called uh, CSR. I said, no, I, I don't want an NGO. I don't want to start an NGO. I want to start a company with social responsibility. And I went to the investors and they just laughed for two reasons. First, I, had, I was eight months pregnant. And the second no was, I'm not going to put money in a company where the workers can't be out on the labor market. So, two crazy situation. So I think that resilience led, I, I would uh, should have given up. Year one, the term should have been closed, but Did that continued. force you to scale back your plan? Did you have to totally. start from a smaller yeah, place? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, totally. I went for, I remember it was like 550,000 something. I was creating like a, a whole uh, place to work because they were, uh, these people that I was working with, they were like in this, buildings, you know, hidden. It's like, no, I want to show, you know, I want to show what we do. Like they do in restaurants, you know, hey, we're working here and, and these are the people that are working here. So I wanted to like build up a place, a determined place where we're doing tea and packaging and transport and everything, design and uh, so no, I had to scale down and it became an online shop. And for a very long time, uh, I didn't talk about who was doing it. I just knew that I was doing the right thing, but uh, people, saw this like, uh, oh, poor them. And Teterum was nothing about poor them. Teterum was about, they have a potential that nobody was seeing. And I just wanted to use that potential to build up the best tea brand in Spain. The best quality, the best service, the best packaging, the best design. And for that, I need people that are disruptive. So so the whole success of the business is going to rest on the quality of the product alone. Totally. Like you're not talking about the social aspect I'm not at doing all. anything for anybody. I mean, it's not like I'm doing this for them. It doesn't depend on the potential of people. It depends on what you do around it mm -hmm. to leverage. And that we do that with our kids every day. We, you know, we, take, we see what they are good at, and then we just pff, boom that. 
but we don't do that apparently in jail market. So if this guy is excellent in counting, why don't we build up a world around him so that he can excel in that instead of saying, oh, you don't know how to write your name, so I'm going to put you in another box that is called disabled. And then we, the whole society is missing out on all this diversity. Today, I'm like trending topic. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those that everybody else is trying to copy now. But in those days, uh, this was crazy. This was the, like, you can't scale this. That was the only thing that they were saying. Well, how did you scale it? Uh, I didn't scale it so much. I mean, we we'll have to be transparent here. Uh, but I could have uh, because the, the model was that as long as I had the area where they were working, which is a center, they call it day center here, uh, as long as I had the actual product and as long as I had the customer, it didn't matter if I was here in Spain, in Portugal, in China. Uh, the, the trio is the thing that I need. Uh, the tea comes into to them, they do all the work, and then it goes out to, it's like a normal shop online that goes out to the customer. So uh, uh, they, it comes in in bags of one kilos, and they convert that into bags with 100 grams, uh, and they put all the labels on, and, and there's a, like a process from a legal perspective. Then they put that in, a, in another bag, in another box, and that goes with their writing, that goes with their sign signature. That's the most important part. It's the bridge between the consumer and the person that produces this. They sign uh, a card where they say, hey, I'm the one doing it. By the way, I work here. And then this here, it's a center for people with, with autism. Um, what happens is that it, it becomes, from being just tea, it becomes tea with a soul. Because somebody's behind that. So you go to the supermarket, nobody feels like emotion picking up a tea bag in the supermarket. But when you get a tea bag, with the design that they have made themselves uh, with this, this content and this card, suddenly it became personal. And what happens? And then we go back to gratitude. You feel gratitude. You open this and you feel, I'm so thankful that somebody made this so beautiful for me. Mm -hmm. uh, so you feel that you want to thank this person. What do you do? Use your social media. Thank you, Juan, for uh, your tea bag. When Juan receives that, he feels gratitude because somebody sees him and, and acknowledge his work. So then we have the bridge, what I call the gratitude bridge. So um, it's a product that generates this feeling. Actually, these, these three virtues that Lawrence was referring to that you just explained so eloquently reminded me of a forgotten virtue as Paul Woodruff, a philosopher, uh, would, would say, and it's, uh, that is reverence, right? Uh, yeah. reverence, reverence for someone else's Hmm. Life, hmm. reverence for society, reverence hmm. for our own abilities and our own uh, our hmm. own skills, you know that we, that, that that we bring to the table and yeah. the, the respect that it implies. So I think your company is all about reverence. reverence. It's really beautiful and, word. Um, but hmm. you mentioned two things. One, uh, you you said that when you started uh, hmm. and you talked to investors with this original idea that yeah. you have, everybody started started laughing, and I think that appeals to many of the experiences of social entrepreneurs who face an infrastructure that is not ready for this concept. Thinking of a return on investment that yeah. is not financial. That's, exactly. that's one. That's the one. And then the other thing that fascinates me is your decision of not drawing value for, uh, hmm. for your company based hmm. on the feeling that society hmm. often has about yeah. a social enterprise like, oh yeah, let's help them. Yeah, you know the the fact that you have decided not to advertise yeah. that 
Hmm. says a lot about who you are and about yeah. what your company is about. Yeah. I always talk to when uh, one of the classes I teach, we talk a lot about the difference between empathy and sorrow. Um, like being empathy feeling me too. It's like me too. When you are in a me too situation, you don't do the typical, oh, sorry, I'm sorry for you. When you do the I'm sorry for you, I at least get the feeling that you put somebody below. Correct. So I'm sorry. It's I'm not in your box. I'm mm-hmm. outside. You are in that sorrow box and I just pet you. Mm-hmm. And then, but the problem is that the person in that box doesn't feel supported. If you're gonna empathize, welcome. If you're gonna feel sorry for me, go to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they, and especially uh, the guys and the girls I work with, they feel that in two seconds. They just look at them like, whoa, and go around because they have no filters. So if they feel that somebody feels sorry for them, they just, I'm not gonna spend a second with you. When, when you are there with them in empathy, that's when you connect. And you know, that is an aspect that very much translates into intercultural competency, which is one yeah. of the aspects mm-hmm. that we uh-huh. want right. our students to experience. Because the point here as well is, uh, in, in many aspects, when, w- when Western students go mm. to other places, uh, the notion of, for instance, development mm. yeah. or progress mm-hmm. is uh, installed in us in such a way that let me show you what development is. What let is good me show for you. What is good for you, <laughs> yeah. how you should do things. Yeah. And we call that then intercultural culture. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm, I'm working across you yeah. know, cultures. I'm reaching out. Yeah. You know, but that that is that far is from being yeah. intercultural. <laughs> and what you're talking mm. about is that empathy, that moment yeah. in which you realize, oh, yeah. This is how you are looking at things. This is how I can look at things. This is your situation. Yes, exactly. And my second company is is built on that, especially this this empathy side of. Yeah, that's interesting. You you worked on Deterrent for ten years, almost ten years. Yep. The investors laughed at you, but but (laughs) in the end, you built a uh, successful, sustainable company. Mm -hmm. And the proofs in the pudding, Mm -hmm. you were you sold. This company. Yeah, I sold it because uh, I have a disease. Uh, it's called uh, arthritis, and arthritis for people who don't know this disease is a very strange one. It, it goes on all your joints, so I get like inflamed in the whole body, which means that if I'm not, I have medicines now. That's why I'm sitting here. Um, if I don't have that, I will be horizontal. I can't move because if I move, I faint of pain. So that is my disease. What happens is that uh, that is having an impact on my body. So my hands are, those that you are online don't see that, but my hands are almost 80, 90 degrees um, in fingers because I'm moving to one side. So I'm I'm losing my hands. I cannot mm-hmm. type anymore, mm-hmm. which means that I work with my voice, etc. So I need to move from being a person with two hands to being a person in three, four, five years with no hands, which means that I need to find a way to provide what I have provided, but in another area. And somebody else will have to take over. So uh, that's why I moved from product to service. Okay, so there's the resilience again. You're, in, you're exactly. saying, hey, I have a disease, but I'm yeah. not walking away no. from my commitment to what I'm what I'm going to do as yeah. an entrepreneur. Exactly. Not only are you are you striking out again mm. from scratch. <laughs> yeah, from scratch. <laughs> from scratch yeah. <laughs> but, you're, but you're entering into a sector that, Correct me if I'm wrong, Rahila, but this is not a common sector for Here social business. Here we go again. Exactly. It's a service. What is the thing? Now? So <laughs> now thing? I'm saying, the- hey guys, uh, we need to do something <laughs> that is called uh, impact measurement. 
uh, it's not okay anymore, or I don't think it's okay anymore, to go out and say, look how many good things we do, when the metrics we show are in style of 2,000 hours in volunteering, yes. 300 people passed through this course, uh, we built uh, 25 wells in this country. Yes. The yeah. question you have to ask yourself is, what on earth is that in terms of impact? Because otherwise, we will walk around, spend a lot of money, investment on stuff we think are good, and we haven't even found out if that's good or bad. Show me the impact. And that's where I'm getting it. So now people say, oh, but you're too early. You are not there anymore in Spain. Because there's only we are only five people in Spain that are accredited social return investment, SROI. Um, uh, consultants. So five, that's nothing in Spain, <laughs> in the whole of Spain. Now it's another It's another area. It's not as tough as the Terum uh, because the rest of the world is doing it. So I, have, I can look and say, hey guys, these guys are doing this. And this is the uh, social consulting agency. Exactly. That's what you're starting. That's the social consulting and, agency. And so mm. what I hear, or what, what, I, what I see is your experience and your expertise. Uh-huh. That's what's going to make yeah. this business work right that's your that's your theory because yes. you, you've been i presume 10 years in a social business you've been thinking about impact uh-huh. exactly right and then on the other hand is faith that okay maybe there are five uh-huh. social businesses in spain yeah like the real deal but yeah. you know that this movement is going to catch on right yeah. and there's going to need to be a way to say yeah. and there's going to need to be proof of concept oh totally and then i also know what is lacking in that's the key. What is uh, lacking in this business right now? What is lacking is that when you do social measurement, when I go out and I interview person that is maybe 15 years old coming from Morocco, he just did his third trip crossing the water. He just got into a program here in Spain where he spent 18 months uh, studying a uh, carpenter and now he has a job. That is the social project. So I'm going in there and measuring uh, how well done this has been or how good this is for society for him. When I sit there in front of this person, the only thing he sees is this white woman, 46, well, he doesn't know that, but he would say like maybe 40-something, <laughs> 40-something. She doesn't talk like me. She's not from where I am. She doesn't understand a clue about where I come from. And here she sits and she asks me, what changed in your life due to this program? And then he will think, either she asked that because they're gonna take away whatever support I get, or she asked that for another reason. I don't really know what it is, but what I'm sure of is that I'm not sure of that I can say exactly the truth because I don't know what I can use that for. So what is the problem with, our, with my measurement is that we are always, once again, the ones that know exactly what people need. So we go in there with our I'm sorry for you approach <laughs> and we, we expect them to open up and to tell right. us the true story so that I can do my measurement and show how good this company is that right. has done it. And I can publish and I can get there. Exactly. And, yeah. What is missing? <laughs> Somebody that has empathy, can empathize with this person and that can connect so that this person doesn't feel A, threatened, B, feels secured, sure and where he is, C, doesn't see this as something that can impact him negatively or who has this competence? Well, it's not me, that for sure. It's Angelica, who is 18 years old, comes from a social economic vulnerable environment, has been there, not because she has crossed the water, because she knows how it feels to be terribly alone, being immigrant, and not being accepted in a country. So what I need is to train Angelica to understand the tools so that she can use her superpower, which is connecting, and interview these persons, bring me the data, 
I'm not even involved in the interviews. And when she brings me the data, I can analyze that. What does that give me? True information for what mm. has changed. So what we're doing now is that we're building up competence in 10 girls uh, with, uh, I call them superpower, but uh, 10 talented girls that don't have the possibility to study at the university because they don't have the money, they don't have the environment, they don't have the support. What we're doing is that we bring them into our company, we give them the SRI training, we convert them into uh, um, social impact measurement uh, consultants, uh, we give them a university uh, degree, like a module, and during one year they are working, they are studying uh, this profession, and they're also studying this part in the university, and we pay them for that. But what are the dimensions that you measure mm. in this social return investment? What mm. kind of dimensions that you you uh, talk about and, and what are your, your benchmarks? Yeah, exactly. What is that we really do? Because there are so many ways of measuring. So what we do is that we we are not so interested in what the output was. So these 250 girls and boys from this environment, the output is that they have been certified in certain, um, certain work um, uh, professional certifications, they call it here. Uh, they are plumbers and, and they are carpenters, etc. That is what we normally say. So that's what that company would go and say to government. Hey, you know what? I have 288 young girls and boys that are certified in this. Then I go in and say, what changed in your life due to this program? So this person will tell me certification, yes, important. But what really changed is that they stopped drugs. They have reconnected with the families. They were not connected to the families because of whatever reason it could be. Now they're reconnecting with family. They have partners. They have independence. They are have a social life. They eat healthier. Nothing of that is stated in any of this program. This program is about giving certification. But what I found is the actual value. So I say it's good that you do this, but the outcome from that is all this. And that's when we go and we actually put price tags on. So how much does it cost for a person uh, to be free from drugs? Oh, that's, I don't know, 20,000 euros a year. The value of having that program is not about training people to have a profession. It's about making people, like one of them said, I feel uh, and whole. I feel like a one person now. I was nobody and now I'm somebody. So on the top of that, I say something negative happened. Boom. And then a lot of negative stuff come out. You know, now when I, because I'm doing this, I have to travel two hours every day. So I have to get up six o'clock in the morning and then I go to bed like 12 o'clock. So I don't have time to work. So that means that I, I can't get the money that I was getting before. Oh, so we're talking about that we're losing economy now and we thought that we're good. So we put value on that. That's minus on your account. So these are all the plots and these are all the minus. Where do you end? That's what interests me because then I'm going to take that number and compare it with my investment and I'm going to say, is it worth it or not? So, so uh, in general, if I am understanding correctly, mm. you are uh, really estimating proxies on totally. uh, social return on investment and finding the net positive yeah. of that investment. Yeah. Uh, do you think also that certain benchmarks uh, that have been created or mm. impact assessments like the B impact assessment yeah. of the B lab the or B things like mm. these, are, are we going into this direction of a mm. universal uh, standardized impact mm. mechanism, mm. methodology, tools? Like a paradigm. Yeah, like a paradigm. Yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. we can universally uh, Say apply. good or yes, bad. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> good or bad. Uh, yes and no. I think that we, we have to pass to chaos right now. There's probably some theories that 
First, you don't have it. Then somebody's crazy and does it. And then there's like a million of different. Yeah. So I read the other day there's 150 me- tools to measure yeah. social impact. It's chaotic. That's totally. a big paradigm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yes, exactly. That's, yeah. that's not helpful. That's no. not People have no clue what to choose. Uh-huh, and, et exactly. and I'm, you know, now I'm talking about, so, so Roy is Roy. But yeah, there are 149 others. So I think that we will have to be there. We just have to set the cows for a moment until some baselines are created. I, I don't think there's going to be one. Be assessment is fantastic i've done it three times now and it's fantastic to do it but not because it's an assessment because you criticize yourself and i think that that is the journey that every company has to go through like we were saying it doesn't matter if it's social or not every company impacts every person impacts so every company should go through some kind of self-assessment and say where do i impact in positive and where do i impact in negative and if i don't want to end up my end year with a negative result I better deal with that. So I think we are moving towards something because the law is hitting hard with the green taxonomy, social taxonomy, and it's converted into real stuff. What happens is that they will start to develop some kind of way for companies to measure company. So it's going to be financial and then environmental plus minus, social plus minus. How that will look, I have no clue. But it's going to take a few years to get that in place. So it's not until until companies are starting to be measured that I think that this will, you know, take form, really. Uh, at least in Spain, we need somebody to like hit us a bit before we, <laughs> before we move. Last question. Do, yeah. do you think this will create a, a template of sorts for expanding the social business? Like going beyond the five yeah. that you were talking about. I mean, is that... Exactly. Is I that think we are ending up... I hope. I mean, I hope I can see with my own eyes when there is no social. You know, uh-huh. today, I don't know oh, if Oh, that's there an are, interesting, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. why should that's it where be? That's the movement like, is, should no be. Social. Yeah. So I'm thinking more like that, like, what was that with social company? Well, <laughs> something they did in the 2000s. <laughs> you know, crazy. We, we all have this responsibility because I think that a company will be measured on these three aspects. And a company is a company if you contribute financially, economically, and socially. Otherwise, it's not a company. Uh, but we're not there. We're far from there. Uh, we are uh, far from yeah. there. I, I absolutely. And there's a lot of greenwashing in the mix. Greens. And social washing, poof. Yes, yes. Uh, a lot. So so that is, yeah, that is the complexity. But Bram, any final thoughts from you? I'm listening with... Uh with my mouth open, so uh, that's a positive sign. Um, <laughs> no, thank you so much. I uh, I just want to say that uh, I think these 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 discussions are very necessary, and I also think that uh, talking about this and applying these kind of things right. uh, within master education oh, uh, yeah. and other education is mm. very necessary. So I think this is something still lacking a bit in in Mm -hmm. the master that I'm coordinating here Mm. in Barcelona. And I think that uh, we need to talk about it. We need to find standards Mm. together. Uh, As you see, Mm. as you just say, uh, Patricia, it's something that is evolving for sure. And Mm. uh, like many changes in society, they start with students, with youngsters. So once we start talking about it, discussing and applying techniques, practices, etc., working with companies too in business cases, uh, this is probably the way. Mm. So uh, I'm very happy actually uh, with this discussion. Um, I'm always uh, amazed and uh, energized by Patricia's experience and uh, everything that you have done, the companies that you have built, what you're doing now. Thank you. Thank you because it's it's, uh, very much needed in our world today. Mm. And uh, in a way, I think part of the reason for which we're doing this is so we can bring these perspectives and these ideas back to 
our uh, ecosystem back yeah. uh, to uh, our community mm-hmm. and, and share with them. I'm excited about this and, mm-hmm. and sharing with them these experiences. Patricia Polvera, you said you came to Barcelona because it was the it was the right city for social business. Yeah. But one could also argue that Barcelona is the right city for social business because of people like you. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you very much for inviting me. You've been listening to Points of Departure. Your hosts are Rogelio Garcia Contreras and Lawrence Hare. I'm Daniel Carruth. Special thanks to Mark Diaz Guerrero, who recorded this episode at the production studio inside the Universitat Obado Liba in Barcelona. Points of Departure is a podcast production of KUAF Public Radio and Arkansas Global Changemakers.